Well, if you can make your way back to your seats, we're going to get started and open up your Bibles to Joshua chapter 2. Joshua chapter 2 is our passage of scripture this morning that we're going to read. And we're going to read the, uh, the whole chapter. So if you could open up your Bibles and your phones and uh, read along with me in just a moment, uh, that would be great. In just a moment here, um, when you all get settled, what I'd like to do is just take a, just a quick video of you all. And if you can, um, I'll kind of, I'll kind of pan this way all the way over to here. And, uh, maybe if you can just say, uh, together as a church family, we love you, Vuceneviches and Crockers. I think we need to practice first. <laughs> So, uh, can you say, we love you, Vucenoviches and Crockers? One, two, three. Good. And, uh, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit the uh, video in just a second here. And, uh, let's, let's see if we can do as good as we did on the first time. And, uh, if you wanna clap afterwards, just to affirm your love for him, feel free to do that. So here we go. One, two, three. You know what? <laughs> Hold, on. <laughs> Hold on. You know, here the whole time I'm thinking that, like, you're going to mess up, and I didn't start the video. So, you know what? <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the loser. <laughs> so, all right, hold on one second. <laughs> uh, yeah, I got to check it. Wait, let me let it go on one, and I'll drop my hand, and you can go. All right. I don't know why it's not taken. And I must be a loser. I've got it on video. It won't take here. Hold on one second. Let me try. Yeah. You know what? Yeah, give me your phone, John, because I, I I don't know why. It's being weird. You get in there. You go ahead. Get in there. Get in there. I want the church to be in there. Go ahead. I'll get with everybody. View the view that I had during that call with our brother at Australia. I think it was like a combination of like John's belly button, John's desk. Uh, it was just weird, kind of trying to FaceTime with a guy and and only getting those kind of views. So uh, <laughs> we have a lot of fun here at Christ Community, don't we? Good. Um, if you could open up your Bibles to Joshua chapter two, let's read uh, in God's Word, beginning in verse one of Joshua two. Let's read. And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came into a house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there. And it was told to the king of Jericho, Behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, True, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out. I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them with the stalks of flax 
that she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued after them on the way to the Jordan as far as the fords, and the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. Before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and to Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. And the men said to her, our life for yours even to death. If you do not tell this business of ours, then when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was built into the city wall, so that she lived in the wall. And she said to them, Go into the hills, or the pursuers will encounter you, and hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Then afterward you may go your way. The men said to her, We will be guiltless with respect to this oath of yours that you have made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, you shall tie this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And you shall gather into your house your father and your mother, your brothers, and all your father's household. Then if anyone goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head and we shall be guiltless. But if a hand is laid on anyone who is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head. And if you tell this business of ours, then we shall be guiltless with respect to your oath that you have made us swear. And she said, according to your words, so be it. And she sent them away and they departed. And she tied the scarlet cord in the window. They departed and went into the hills and remained there three days until the pursuers returned. And the pursuers searched all along the way and found nothing. Then the two men returned. They came down from the hills and passed over and came to Joshua, the son of Nun. And they told him all that had happened to them. And they said to Joshua, truly the Lord has given all the land into our hands. And also all the inhabitants of the land melt away because of us. The title of the message this morning is Rahab and the Scarlet Cord. Let's pray together. Almighty God, I pray that you would strengthen our faith this morning, even as we see Rahab's faith and we see the good works that she did, even as a new believer. I pray you would strengthen us as a local church family. And Lord, I pray that you would anoint this message with your power. Holy Spirit, touch our hearts and transform our lives and cause us to love Jesus even more than we do even right now. We ask you to do this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, I'm going to hit four points here from the passage this morning. The first is evidence, your faith. Secondly, God's reputation precedes him. Thirdly, look to the scarlet cord. And finally, no refuge from Christ, only in Christ. Firstly, evidence, your faith. 
This is going to deal with uh, verses 1 through 7. But Rahab's whole life uh, had really built up to this moment right here for her as a citizen, if you will, of the city of Jericho. And when the spies of Israel came into her inn, she had heard the stories of the God of Israel and the great things he had done and the great things he was going to do for his people Israel. And she believed those stories. And now was the moment for her to act on it. And she did. Her allegiance from her people, the Canaanites, to God and his people, Israel, was proven by her actions that we just read about. And there's an important lesson here for us in that. Side with the world and its ways, or side with God and his people and his ways. You have to choose. Rahab chose the God of Israel. She chose well. And that's what this story is about here that we're looking at here this morning. One of the things that stands out in verses 1 through 7 is the truth. We are all justified before God by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, only by the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ given to us as a free gift of grace are we acceptable before our holy God. We are justified before God by faith. But our faith is justified before men by our good works. Our works evidence the reality of our saving faith in Christ. I'll repeat that again because it's so important. Our works evidence the reality of our saving faith in Christ. Jesus said it this way, you can tell a tree by its fruits. You can tell a true believer in Christ by their righteous deeds done for Christ. And Joshua sent spies into the land to go into Jericho to search it out. Rahab the prostitute made sure that they were protected overnight and led their pursuers away from them through a ruse so that they would be safe. James 2.25, speaking of Rahab, says this, And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? Rahab displayed her faith in Israel's God by showing allegiance to the servants of God and receiving them into her home. And if her harboring of the Israelite spies was found out by the men of Jericho, she would have been in danger perhaps for her life. But she did it anyway. And in doing this good work, James says she was justified and it evidenced her justification by faith. Just a point of discipleship here for us as a church. It's what we do and what we don't do that evidences the reality of our saving faith. And so we should be motivated by Rahab's example And really take her example to heart. And I want to ask us this question, just by way of application in that point of discipleship. In what ways is your faith evidenced out to the world? In what ways is your faith evidenced out to the world? 
Rahab was a prostitute, and yet when she saw these spies of Israel, she acted in faith. And she saved their lives. Let each of us act in faith like her as well. The men of Jericho sent out their searchers, but they're not going to find these spies because God has determined to protect them through this Gentile woman, this Gentile woman who is now a new believer. It's wonderful. Rahab is one of the, quote, bad girls of the Bible, if you will. But the important point here in that is there, there are no good girls and there's no good boys in the Bible and there's no good girls or good boys now. We're all alike under sin. What's important for all of us to ask is, do we see ourselves in the same light? Because it's only those of us who tr- truly see ourselves as sinners who turn helplessly to Jesus Christ in faith. We must see ourselves as sinners or we cannot see our need for Christ and our need for repentance and faith. One of the uh, wonderful points here that I want to highlight just as a word of hope to all of us is even after we have lived a life of sin, if we trust in the God of Israel, we will be justified before him by that faith in his son. And even newborn faith evidences itself by good works flowing out from a transformed soul. Even newborn believers evidence the reality of their saving faith by good works. And so let us all take stock and ask, in what ways is the reality of our saving faith being evidenced out to the world? The transformation of soul that Jesus Christ brings about in a true believer's life should be obvious for the world to see. The unbelievers in your school, or in the office, or in the home, and your extended family and all around should, should be able to see the transforming power of the gospel in your life and see the transformation of your soul through your good works. And another word of hope in relation to this point here. I love that God chooses Rahab as an example held before us by James. It shows us that no matter how deeply, be encouraged here, no matter how deeply our lives have been affected by and touched by sin, and no matter how low we ourselves have gone into sin, it's never so low that God can't save us out of that pit and be encouraged by that, as I am as well. I'm so thankful for the Lord and His amazing grace um, in our lives. Aren't you, brothers and sisters? Let, let us repent of our sins and let us also break our allegiance with Jericho. You have to break your allegiance with Jericho in order to side with the God of Israel. That's one of the applications from this passage. Let us pledge our loyalty to the God of Israel like Rahab did. Let's turn away from, as Bunyan wrote in the Pilgrim's Progress, the city of destruction. We need to turn our backs on the city of destruction so that we might follow Jesus Christ. We can't have it both ways. We can't have it 50% the world, 50% Christ. 
It's either 100% world or 100% Christ. That's just the way it is. I was reading in my quiet times this this past week of friendship with the world is enmity, hatred toward God. So we need to meet the, we need to make the clean break. Have you made the clean break? Have I? Oh, friends, let us truly believe and, and may each one of us, may each one of us evidence clearly that our souls have been saved by grace by many Rahab-like acts of faith. Let me ask you this question. This kind of, this bores down a little bit into our soul. It's a point of discipleship, specifically right now in your life. Where do you need to break away from allegiance to this world? Where do you right now currently and specifically need to break away from your allegiance to this world still? I pray the Holy Spirit would help all of us to, to break ways like Rahab and side with God in that regard and not hold on to the remaining joys of Jericho when it's about ready to be destroyed. Secondly, God's reputation precedes him. God's reputation precedes him. No one makes a name for himself like our God. And Rahab said to the spies in verse 10, if you follow along with me there in verse 10, I love how she says this, for we have heard, we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and to Og, whom you devoted destruction. And then she goes on talking about the works of the Lord. The word about Yahweh and his power had gone out. How he had done all these things. And what's wonderful about it is there was no evangelist there to enter into the city to tell him about it. God made his own name known to the inhabitants of Jericho so that when these two messengers arrived, the way was already prepared because of the greatness of our God. God is so awesome in his deeds that the news about him and the mighty acts that he has done, they go before him, church. Malachi 1 says this, For from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense will be offered to my name and a pure offering. And he says it again, for my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. I love that verse. God has determined that his name will be great among the nations of the earth. And here in Joshua chapter 2, we see that he's not dependent upon anyone to get that done. God is God. And he is awesome. And his reputation precedes him even before the arrival of his people. Rahab said to the men in verse 11, this profession of faith, look at that with me. It's in 11b. She says, as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. And here it is, this great confession of her soul. For the Lord your God, this is Rahab speaking, he is God. Amen, Rahab. Well said, new believer. He is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. So this is her 
profession of faith. Her new profession of faith. Hebrews 11.31 says this about Rahab's faith. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. I love how much the New Testament picks up on this wonderful woman of faith. So this Gentile woman of Jericho had heard about God's reputation before the spies even arrived, and she believed in the news about Israel's God. She believed in God, so much so that when the spies arrived, at the risk of her life, she harbored them and shared with them those glorious words in 11b, for the Lord your God, He is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. What a great description of God's rule and God's reign and God's power and God's fame. He is God. The Lord your God, He is God. And what a great testimony hers is to the reality of saving faith. You know, what an encouraging thought to know that Yahweh's mighty deeds precede Him. You know, by way of application toward us as a local church, as we go to our neighborhoods and to the nations to share this glorious gospel, may we all take comfort that the Lord goes before us. Amen? He has determined that His name will be great among the nations, and so it is, and so it will be. What an honor to be tasked with the proclamation of His mightiest deed, the redemption of sinners by the death and resurrection of His Son, Jesus. What an honor to hold out to sinners the hope of salvation from wrath if they will believe in Jesus Christ. And just a discipleship point here in relation to evangelism, let us really take heart here, church. There are more Rahabs out there that we have the opportunity to share the gospel with, and God cares for each one. And as we proclaim this great name, we will often hear from them the word that God has done what only He can do. He has preceded our arrival and has prepared and plowed up the heart. The Holy Spirit has gone out, as John 16 says, and He's convicted men already concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And then we come and we present Christ dying on the cross for sinners, and they're awakened. God's awesome like that. And I love how He is the great evangelist, always on the move, working in people's hearts, preparing their hearts even before us as His messengers go forth. And we need to take the responsibility of evangelism seriously. And proclaim the gospel so that sinners might be saved and won to Jesus. Point three, look to the scarlet cord. Look to the scarlet cord. Rahab asks for a sign that the spies of Israel will save her and her family alive when they come in to possess Jericho in a little while. And the spies give her one. They give her a promise here. And they say to her, in verse 14, Our life for yours, even to death, 
if you do not tell this business of ours, then when the Lord gives us this land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you, the spies say to Rahab. And there's two things that stand out here. The first is that Rahab asks for assurance and a sign that she and her family will be. And I love this two-word expression here that the ESV captures so well, saved alive. What a description of salvation. And that they will deal kindly and faithfully with her. She wants a sign of that. And she's concerned. She's concerned about the salvation of her parents and her brothers and sisters and all who belong to her family. There's another good work that evidences the reality of Rahab's saving faith in the God of Israel. She knows it's all going to be destroyed and she wants her family to be saved as well as her. She's not a selfish woman. She wants the good news of the gospel to also be the means of saving her family. And she gets the assurance and the sign that she's looking for. The Israelites swear that they'll save her and her family alive. And they say, our life for yours even to death. In other words, they say to her that if she or her loved ones are harmed when they come through and destroy the city, then they themselves will suffer the same punishment, death. That's how serious the promise was that they made. This was meant to let her know and assure her how seriously they took their promise to her. The specificity of the promise is so powerful as you meditate on it, as you meditate on it further. The spies said words here that threatened punishment upon themselves if they fail to do as they had promised. Our life for yours, even to death. But they never did need to have the punishment rendered unto them that they mentioned here. I I couldn't help but just be so moved by the reality of this, brothers and sisters. Christ actually took punishment upon himself. Though he did no wrong and broke no oath and broke no vow. He willingly, in order to save all of us in this room who believe, he said, My life for yours, even unto death. And he backed it up by laying his life down. Oh, brothers and sisters, what great and glorious news this is. And seen even in the expression of these spies from Israel. He did actually suffer for us when he died on the cross. The wages of sin is death, brothers and sisters. And the punishment for sin is not just physical death, but what the book of Revelation describes also as the second death, which is punishment in hell forever. Jesus, in saving us alive, essentially stepped in and said to us, my life for yours, even unto death. Oh, brothers and sisters, what a great Savior we have. Do we not? Christ sacrificed himself in order to save those who believe. He saved us from the second death in hell. And let us all of us, let's all of us be grateful. Let us, when we come into the house of God and worship, I was so moved worshiping with you today. The Holy Spirit was just so present, wasn't he? As we were worshiping and enjoying our Savior. 
I was thinking about this. I was actually just thinking about this as I was reviewing the message and meditating on it this morning. I was, let us here in Christ Community Church worship Christ in the same way and the same awe that Rahab must have had when she walked out of her door for the first time and saw all the bodies laying on the ground and realized her and her family were the only ones saved alive out of the entire town. Why me? God, your mercy in my life. Let us have the same sense of wonder and awe that this prostitute had been, who had been saved by grace must have felt when she worshipped the Lord for the first time after the judgment. Let all of us, friends, be grateful that He made this sacrifice Jesus did and saved us alive. Our life, my life for yours, even unto death. Church, in order for us to be saved alive, Christ, Christ was crushed to death. One just point of discipleship here that the scarlet cord was given to be a sign to Rahab and they told her to tie the scarlet cord to her house that it would be looked upon by the Israelites when they came in to destroy Jericho and then they would know to spare Rahab and every single person who was in that house. You know, I was thinking about this. It 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 alerted the Israelites and reminded them not to destroy Rahab and the inhabitants in the house. And in that way, it reminds you of the Passover. In Exodus 12, verse 13, when the Word of God says, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Certainly, the Israelites saw the scarlet cord and knew to not pour out their wrath on that household. But the scarlet cord was also assigned to Rahab every day in the build-up to that terrifying day of judgment that she was, in fact, going to be saved alive. It, it, it moved me to think how many times Rahab must have looked to her the, own, the scarlet cord that she tied hastily to her door and it reminds me to keep Christ always before my eyes. And that we should keep Christ and His blood always before our eyes every day to remind us that judgment day is coming. And also to cause us, brothers and sisters, to take heart that we will be saved alive when the day of wrath comes. It's by looking to Christ and looking to Him that our heart takes strength and consolation because, brothers and sisters, we need to be reminded again and again of the blood of Christ so that we might have assurance. Assurance, like Rahab did, that it's going to be okay. Maybe you don't think of Judgment Day too often. 
Hebrews says it is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. If you don't have the blood of Christ, if you don't have the blood over your door, if you don't have the scarlet cord tied around the door, if you haven't believed in Christ and His blood, which represents the tying of the scarlet cord on your heart, if you haven't done that, the last thing you want is for the day of judgment to come and for the blood not to cover you. It's a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But having trusted in Christ, having tied the scarlet cord onto our hearts by believing in Christ and His death and resurrection, brothers and sisters, we can have assurance right now, we can have assurance that when Christ returns and brings the day of wrath, when He does that, you will be okay. You will be okay. You can have assurance right now like Rahab did when she tied the scarlet cord. You can look always every day in your Christian life to the scarlet cord and remember, Christ covers me. Christ covers me. It's going to be okay. Because it's true, brothers and sisters, that we are saved. But it's also a biblical truth that we are going to be saved as well. And what that's speaking of is there is a day of wrath that will come through like a freight train. And and right here when we see it coming upon Jericho, it's meant to point us to the day of Christ and remind us. And it's also meant to cause us, while there's still time, brothers and sisters, tie the scarlet cord around the door of your heart. Do it now and do not delay. And every day when you see still the remaining effects of indwelling sin and you get discouraged in this fight of faith and and the effects of this sin-torn world and see it all and you're just sometimes your soul can sink. Look to the scarlet cord on the door. Look to it. Look to it again. Look to it. And look not so much to your own sin and weakness and frailty and your inability and your slowness to change. Look to Christ and the fact that the scarlet cord of His blood has been tied to your heart. You are united to Christ by faith. You are in the house safe. You are in Christ safe. So when the day of wrath comes, you will not be touched by that wrath. Because the good news of the Gospel is Christ has already borne the wrath that your sins deserve for you on the cross. Is that not good news? We are meant, as Rahab must have done, to look at that scarlet cord and remember, judgment's coming. And and and, and man, when they were marching around the city gates seven times, we're going to look at in the upcoming weeks, what a fearful thing it must have been. Even as Eric was talking about the siege from the ministry, Mike, this morning, how dreadful it must have been for everybody in Jericho. And it must have caused Rahab to tremble as well. How many times did she look at that scarlet cord and remember? Keep the gospel before your eyes. Keep Christ and His blood and His finished work on the cross before your eyes that it might uplift and encourage you. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, the the day of wrath, the day of judgment, for you as believers, you have nothing to fear. Because our Savior's obedience and blood hide all our transgressions from view as we love to sing.
And the fourth and final point, no refuge from Christ, only in Christ. One one thing to really point out here is there is a scarlet thread that really runs throughout the entire Bible. That's one of the things that we're looking at in this series. Seeing Christ in all of Scripture is to see the scarlet thread that runs. One theologian writes, the scarlet thread is the theme of atonement found throughout the pages of Scripture. And here we see it literally as Rahab, the prostitute, is told to tie the scarlet cord in her window in order to be saved from God's judgment when the people of Israel come through to conquer Jericho. The theme of blood sacrifice is seen again and again in Scripture. As one Christian writes, the blood of Christ runs through the entire Bible. Listen to this quote, I love this quote. The blood of Christ runs through the entire Bible symbolically. It is seen in the animals killed in Eden to provide garments for Adam and Eve. Remember that? The ram that took Isaac's place on the altar of Moriah. The Passover lamb. The institution of the sacrificial system. The scarlet rope of Rahab and the Thousands of years of sacrifices performed at the tabernacle and temple. The scarlet thread runs all the way up to John the Baptist's declaration. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And to the foot of the cross. Where Jesus finally says, it is finished. Scarlet blood made peace. Scarlet blood flowed down from the cross. Friend, it's satisfied. If you believe in Christ's blood, it satisfied the wrath of God. It propitiated. It exhausted the wrath of God. It stood against your sins. And it made peace. I've said this so often. If you're a Christian in this room, you might not feel at peace. The good news is, is that the blood of Christ has accomplished what it's accomplished. The good news is you don't need to feel peace to have it. You might not feel a sense of inner peace right now. The good news is, is that the power of Christ has accomplished real, lasting, definitive peace. That is yours, my friend. We were once far away, but we've been brought near by the blood of Christ, Ephesians says. The far away ones have been brought near. And as Colossians 1.20 speaks about the peace that the blood of Christ brings, through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of His cross. One of the aspects of the gospel that needs to be hit is the doctrine of reconciliation. We were once hostile in our minds doing evil deeds, Colossians 1.21 says. But now, the far away ones, the former objects of wrath that God was wrathful and righteously angry toward. He sends His Son to shed His blood to atone for our sins. And at the heart of atonement, At the heart of atonement 
is reconciliation. Bringing his people to himself and there being peace, there being an end to hostilities. What's amazing is that God has always been faithful. He's never been unfaithful to us. We've been unfaithful to him. And the one who is the offended party took the initiative to send his son to reconcile us to himself by his shed blood. What an awesome, holy God. Like Rahab, it just makes you want to shout, He is God! I love her profession of faith. So an application for us, brothers and sisters, and you see this when it says in verse 21, look there with me in the passage, she said, according to your words to the spies, so be it. And then she sent them away and they departed. And she tied the scarlet cord in the window. You get the sense here that Rahab didn't like say, you know what, I'll get to that tomorrow. You get that scarlet cord tied quick. As soon as they're out the door, it's in the window. She lost no time, in other words, brothers and sisters. And may God give each one of us grace to lose no time to get right in our hearts with God. Let none of us lose any time placing personal faith in Christ today. The Bible always says, today is the day of salvation. And let each one of us look to the scarlet cord that's already on our hearts for those of us who are already believers and remember this morning the blood of Christ that was shed for us to atone for our sins and reconcile us to God. So much so now that God looks down upon us and not only are we reconciled, but behold the manner of the love of God that we would be called His children, adopted into His very own family. Oh, we are the most blessed of people on the face of the earth, friends. Let us take heart, for we have been reconciled to God and we have peace with God because Jesus has shed His blood for us on the cross. A word of warning and consolation. The first is a word of warning. Rahab lived to see the entire city outside of her house struck down in judgment. She and her family were the only ones still breathing after God and His people came through. In our day, It is so foreign to the modern mind to think that God would move on a city and save one woman and her family alive. Sin is so evil, brothers and sisters, and so great. Jericho was one of the only Canaanite cities that even had one saved out alive. When God brought the flood, he saved a total of eight out of the entire earth. We tend to think everybody's going to get into heaven. That's the word of our culture. Live how you want to live. You be you. You do whatever you want to do. You have a right to live and act any way you want. We're all going to end up up there at some point. Friends, that is not true. 
If we don't believe in Christ and repent and turn away from our lifestyle of sin, if we don't break from Jericho, we will be cut down in the streets when Christ returns. It's serious business, friends. Let us receive this word of warning. Let us not linger as Lot lingered at the gate of Sodom when the fire and brimstone comes to fall. Let us get into Christ and stay in that house and say, you know what? There's no way I'm leaving. Let us break away from Jericho while there's still time. Because, friends, there is no refuge from Christ, only in Christ. Jesus Christ is the last person you want to meet if you don't have his blood covering you on the day of wrath. It is terrifying. The images you read about in Revelation when Christ comes back, if you don't have Christ covering you, you it's like being out in the streets of Jericho when the walls come down. There is no chance of escape. And there will be no refuge from that. The time for running indoors into Christ and tying the scarlet cord through faith right now in our hearts is right now. When the day of judgment comes, it will be too late. Trust in Him and switch your allegiance right now over to Him while there's still time. Don't wait a single day. Don't dally. Because tomorrow really could be too late. And then a word of consolation to all of you, my brothers and sisters, who have turned from your sins in repentance and who have trusted in Jesus Christ as your only hope of salvation. Oh, my fellow strugglers, my fellow brothers and sisters in the battle, your genuine faith in Christ is enough. It's enough. You will live through the day of judgment and you will be saved and you will breathe the free air of heaven with the rest of the people of God. Because you will be sheltered In Christ. Your sins. Have been atoned for. By the scarlet blood of Christ. If I can have the worship team return. And as they return quietly. If you could remain quiet, because I have just a point to make, because before we enter into worship, I just want to just highlight this kind of wow God point. So that we could just be dazzled by him one last time before we worship, and we're going to sing in Christ alone. In Matthew 1, verse 5, 
she shows up again. Rahab's there. Matthew 1.5. She shows up again. This woman Rahab not only converted, but she married Salmon, and they were Boaz's parents. Matthew 1.5. And Salmon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab. It's one of you go, girl. I mean, it's just like awesome to see her in the New Testament in Matthew 1. Do you know what Matthew 1 is? It's the genealogy of who? Of Christ. I think about <laughs> this story. So Rahab's, Boaz's mom, and Boaz, we're going to get to this, marries Ruth, the Moabite. Perhaps the fact that his mom was a converted Gentile out of Jericho had an influence on Boaz's willingness to be the kinsman redeemer in the case of Ruth when he married her. And that line leads right up to King David, which builds up to the King of Kings, Jesus Christ. I was just thinking about this. I was meditating on this. You know, when people go on Ancestry.com, they hope to be connected to some famous person. Seems like everybody has George Washington as one of their relatives when you hear these stories. Or to be inspired by some story of some relative from generations past. <clears throat> Listen carefully. God chose to write into the ancestry of his son. A prostitute that he saved by grace. Her great, 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 great grandson shed the real blood that atoned for her prostitution, her sins before she was saved and after she was saved, and the blood of Christ, the scarlet cord. Oh, tie it to the door of your heart. Go and buy a scarlet fabric. Tie it on your handle of your house to remind you it is enough. It has covered you and it is enough to save you from the wrath to come. Christ was born down from a line of sinners. And it speaks to me of Christ's willingness to identify himself with sinners. And also come and save sinners. From Perez who was born out. From sexual immorality through Tamar. And from Rahab. Who formerly was a prostitute. Now saved by grace. The mother of Boaz. To David who was an adulterer. God is not above sending his own precious son through a line of sinners so that he might save sinners.
who believe in him? Is he not worthy of our worship and our praise and our endless adoration? Isn't he awesome, church? Can we thank him for how awesome he is? We love you, Lord. While this forgiven sinner wants to sing, and I know you do as well, let us all stand and sing in Christ alone. And let us let our Lord know how deeply we love him. And let us sing this morning as men and women who walk out of their house and see that they have been on the receiving end of such amazing grace and mercy that not everyone else has received. Let us not take the grace that we've received for granted. Let us praise our Lord who has caused us to be united to Christ His Son. Oh Lord, we thank You that no power of hell and no scheme of man could ever pluck us from Your hand. No one can snatch us out of Your hands. Lord, we are so grateful for the fact that you you have laid your hand upon us and you never let go you never let go thank you so much we are testaments to that reality in this room Lord so many times our own souls have wandered but you have kept us by your grace and we thank you for never letting go in your great amazing love for us we give you all the praise and all the glory you are God amen amen church what a wonderful church you are. I think about you throughout the week and I just think, I am so thankful to God to be able to be a part of such a genuine, wonderful group of Christians. Have a wonderful day today. Enjoy the Super Bowl if you're watching that tonight with your friends and family. We love you. Have a wonderful week. God bless you.